You're listening to the Earn That Body podcast, episode number 245. Welcome to the Earn That Body show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Welcome back to the Earn That Body podcast. This is Kim Eagle. We have a great episode ahead. We're going to be talking about pesticides in our produce. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the dirty dozen are. And some of you know about the dirty dozen, but some of you actually don't. And I think it's really important that we make sure we understand which fruits, which vegetables we maybe need to buy organically and which ones we don't need to and all of that information with just the the general knowledge um, about pesticides right now going on in our produce. So organic pesticide is a thing. (laughs) You might just think, oh, if I buy organic food, I don't have to worry about pesticide. And for a long time, I felt that way. But after doing a lot of research and even gardening on my own, I've really learned a lot about fruit, vegetables, how they grow, how to protect them from the bugs and disease, and what they're doing in the farms to protect the crops as well. And a lot of farms, unfortunately, are using pesticides, but then even organic crops have pesticides as well, which we're going to talk about today. So everything you need to know about your fruits and vegetables, including that dirty dozen, But before we do get into that, I just want to let you know that if you are not on the Earn That Body newsletter list, you definitely want to get on that right away because every month I send out a newsletter and it always has a nutrition tip, a workout tip, a new recipe of the month, um, usually a great article, something to inspire you or teach you something. But all of this information is free. And so I don't know about you, but I don't like a lot of junk mail. So I definitely don't sign up for newsletters very often. But there are a few out there that I always learn from each month. And I would say the Earn That Body newsletter is one of those. It's something where you can read it really quickly and probably grab one or two important things that could potentially help your health or even your waistline. You might even read nutrition tip of the month and be like, oh, I can easily make that change and it can then help you maybe drop a few pounds. So if you're not on the newsletter list, go to earnthatbody.com forward slash newsletter. Get on that list. Again, it's completely free and I will not bombard you. It is one email every single month. I have no time to email you more than that so you don't have to worry about me spamming you all month long. All right, everybody, let's get into the topic today. As I said, we're gonna talk about pesticides in your fruit, in your vegetables, your produce generally. And so we're gonna get into all of that after this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. Now, I thought a perfect Eagle Eye on Health today would be wild-caught versus farm-raised seafood. So in this theme of like toxins and pesticides and whatnot in our food, I thought it was really important that you understand what to look for at the market when you're picking your seafood. Now, apparently, according to Colorado State University, College of Health and Human Sciences, where I got this article, they do say that it is a common misconception 
that wild seafood is good and farm-raised is bad. Unfortunately, the answer they say it's not so black and white. Now, what's the difference? Well, simply put, wild-caught seafood is caught from a natural habitat. So we're talking your lake, your ocean, your river, whereas farm-raised seafood is raised in large tanks. Now, in the store or on your plate, the two could look exactly the same, but they're not necessarily exactly the same. Now, in terms of nutrition, the nutrition quality of the seafood largely depends on what the fish eats. And fish in the wild, they're gonna eat a natural diet and they will tend to be slightly lower in saturated fat than farm-raised varieties. Now, the farmed fish can be slightly higher in omega-3 fatty acids and that's probably due to the farm's fortified feed. And so I don't know about you, but I'm very all natural, as you probably know if you follow the podcast. I don't really want my fish to be fortified with all different kinds of things in their feed. I always think it's probably best to get the most natural option, which is the fish that came from the ocean that's eating the ocean food, not fortified food, right? Now, another thing they talk about in the article is contaminants. Some studies have shown how farm-raised varieties can be higher in contaminants. Additionally, farm-raised fish tend to have a higher instance of disease due to farming conditions. Now, it's important to note that mercury can be found in both farm-raised and wild-caught seafood, and that's due to industrial pollution that finds its way into the lakes and the rivers and the oceans, and it's a huge bummer. I mean, personally, it makes me so sad that honestly, you have to limit your intake of fish due to mercury. Large predatory fish have the most mercury, just so you know, and it is recommended that pregnant women and children avoid fish with the potential for the highest level of mercury, the shark, the swordfish, king mackerel, and even something called tilefish. I don't know how often you get that one. Um, so though there's things that you need to keep in mind. Now, in general, I always go for wild-caught fish. Um, so for these reasons, like I was saying, like I want my fish to come from the wild and not be fortified with things. And they do tend to have less contaminants um, and less disease. I have heard horrible stories, actually. When I was in Hawaii, my husband has a cousin there, and he would tell us about the shrimp farms that they have in Hawaii and how absolutely horrific the conditions were that the shrimp were raised in, these tanks, basically. And so just think about it. It's like these things are farm-raised and when they're farm raised, they're in these tanks and it's not a natural environment. And he was telling us that not only was it not natural, but it was like highly polluted and they really don't care. It's like a factory. They need to get out as many shrimp as they can. And so you really need to worry about the quality of those, those conditions. I mean, that's why so many of the farm raised can have a lot of disease as well. So when in doubt, I always personally go for the wild caught versus the farm raised. So something to think about, I have seen a lot of um, food logs recently of my clients, because I check your food logs daily, 
and I've seen some farm-raised seafood, and I wanted to make sure that they and everyone understands the slight difference, and that if you can buy wild, that's generally going to be your better option. Now, next, we are going to be talking about pesticides in our produce, all right? So nobody really wants to be eating extra pesticides, am I right? <laughs> um, pesticides are not good for us, and so you always want to have the most natural form of a food that you can possibly have. Now, are pesticides in our food supply harmful? Well, there are conflicting opinions about the safety of pesticide use in produce. And though the pesticides used on crops are tightly regulated, or they should be, and they are kept well below what's considered harmful limits, there is still a concern over how repeated exposure to these substances affects our health. Now, several studies have linked pesticide exposure to negative health effects, such as respiratory problems, reproductive issues, endocrine system disruption, neurological damage, and even the increased risk of cancers. Uh, children are considered to be at greater risk of developing pesticide toxicity than adults, and this is because of their smaller size, right? They're a lot smaller than the adult is. Um, reduced amounts of certain detoxifying enzymes and the fact that the developing brains are more susceptible to neurotoxic pesticides is also a reason that the children are at greater risk. Now. What do we need to know? Um, well, it really comes down to should you use organic or should you use a non-organic produce item, um, your fruit, your vegetables. But really what I want to make sure people understand is that for one, if you are not going to eat fruit and vegetables because of this podcast, then just stop right now. Because the reality is this. There's pesticides in the organic and the non-organic. I'm gonna tell you which ones you should avoid, called the dirty dozen, if you can. But I also want you to understand that even organic fruits and vegetables can contain pesticides, all right? So while the standards for organic farming are different from conventional farming practices, organic farmers are permitted to use certain approved pesticides on their crops. Now, generally, everyone, these are going to be much better pesticides than the non-organic. I will say that much, okay? Organic farmers rely heavily on crop rotation, biological plant protection, and hygiene practices to protect their crops. So they really do work hard. And I'll tell you right now, all the produce I eat is organic, almost like 99.9% .9 of the time, because I want to limit these pesticides as much as I possibly can. However, organic pesticides, such as copper, rotenone, uh, spinosad, can be used in organic farming. So they're pesticides, but they're considered organic. 25 organic pesticides are approved for organic use versus the staggering 900 that are currently allowed to be used on conventional crops. Can you imagine 900 pesticides are 
allowed to be used on our crops, right? That seems like a really high amount. Now, just like pesticides used in conventional farming, organic pesticides are tightly regulated as well for safety, but even they can be harmful to your health in high doses. For example, occupational exposure to the organic pesticide rotenone has been linked with an increased risk of Parkinson's disease. Unfortunately, long-term studies examining the risks of consuming conventional fruits and vegetables versus organic fruits and vegetables in the general population are still lacking. So that is something that they're still doing research on. If you're choosing organic foods for environmental reasons as opposed for health reasons, research does support that organic farming has less of an environmental impact than conventional farming. So that's definitely a bonus in picking organic as well. Now, should you avoid conventional forms of what's called the dirty dozen foods? Well, let's first tell you what exactly the Dirty Dozen foods are, all right? Because some people know the Dirty Dozen and some people don't. But one thing I want you to understand is nearly 70% of the non-organic fresh produce sold in the U.S. contains residues of potentially harmful chemicals, chemical pesticides generally, and this is according to the EWG. And if you've never looked up the EWG, it is a great source of information on toxic anything, okay? They pretty much go through toxic, um, not only like food chemical pesticide information, but also even like beauty products, things like that. I've done the sunblock episode before and we go through a lot of the information from the EWG. So definitely check that out. If you ever are concerned about a product or a food item, look up what the EWG has to say about it. Now the EWG has come up with what is called the Dirty Dozen. And the Dirty Dozen are 12 foods that are high in pesticides, all right? So just so you know, the EWG, it stands for the Environmental Working Group. And they released this Dirty Dozen list, 12 non-organic fruits and vegetables that have the highest pesticide residue because they want everybody to know what tested the highest, all right? So here we go in the 2021 Dirty Dozen list. The highest fruit that had the pesticides in it was strawberries, all right? That's number one. Number two, spinach. Number three, kale, collards, and mustard greens. They put all of that together in number three, kale, collard, and mustard greens. Number four, nectarines. Number five, apples. Number six, grapes. Number seven, cherries. Number eight, peaches. Number nine, pears. 10, bell peppers and hot peppers. 11, celery. And 12, tomatoes. All right, so those are your dirty dozen. Now, of the 46 items included in the EWG analysis, 
These dirty dozen foods were contaminated with more pesticides than other crops according to the analysis by the USDA data. Now the rankings are based not only on percentage of samples with pesticides, but also on the number and amount of pesticides on all samples and on individual samples. Now they said some of the key findings is that more than 90% of the samples of strawberries, apples, cherries, spinach, nectarines, and leafy greens tested positive for residues of two or more pesticides. They also said that a single sample of kale, collard, and mustard greens had up to 20 different pesticides. And on average, spinach samples had 1.8 times as much pesticide residue by weight as any other crop tested. And hot peppers and bell peppers had the most pesticides detected, 115 pesticides in total, and 21 more pesticides than the crops with the second highest amount, kale, collard, and mustard greens. It's a lot of pesticides, right? So these are the dirty dozen out there right now by the EWG. And it's just sort of interesting to think about it. I mean, I just think that it's crazy. And yet, when I started gardening a few years ago, I really started to understand why all of these farmers are using pesticides. Now I have like maybe, I have three elevated garden beds, two no-dig beds out in the side yard, and then a ton of containers for my gardens. And I have the ability to go out every single day and pick off every single caterpillar on my kale, which is a lot. I have made a personal choice to be 100% organic and I do not spray one thing, not even the organic pesticides that a lot of um, gardeners use. A lot of gardeners use something called neem oil. A lot of um, gardeners use something called BT. I have made a personal choice to not use anything at all just maybe like sometimes I'll use some diatomaceous earth, which is a powder form and it doesn't actually go on the actual plant, but um, I usually put it in the soil around if there's some kind of bug issue because that can help. It just depends what it is and I don't use it very often, but I don't use any kind of sprays. But again, I'm one little tiny garden. I can't really even imagine how these entire farms can have a crop without some kind of protection on their crops because the bugs, it's outrageous. <laughs> and here in Texas, it's like, oh man, by the end of the summer, the heat and the humidity drives pretty much every bug all over. You know, by the end of summer, you're just pulling out your plants and ready to start your fall garden because it's just to either the bugs have taken over or disease can sometimes come in at that point as well and you have to pull everything. But I'm not a farmer. I don't have to pull my entire livelihood out of the ground if a crop gets infected with a disease or a bug. So I can't understand why these pesticides are used, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't make me very concerned for our health. And so I always say, if you can get organic, you should. 
right? Because you're going to have less pesticides. As I had just read you like a staggering number, it's like organic pesticides, there's like three to four of them. And on the non-organic produce, there can be up to 900 approved pesticides. I mean, which one sounds better to you, right? So if you can, you want to choose organic produce. If you can't, then you start looking at, well, can I at least buy organic for the dirty dozen, right? So you can start to keep that list somewhere. And again, you can look up this list um, if you go to the EWG as well. Um, so maybe there's some produce that you can get organic because those tend to be the higher pesticide fruits and vegetables. And if you can't afford all of it, then that's something that obviously you can figure out which ones you can and which ones you can't. But What's really important to understand is that yes, even the organic do use a pesticide, but it's not as much, I don't wanna say so that's better for you <laughs> because I'd rather you start your own garden and have no pesticide at all, which honestly, that would be my goal for everyone, not only to help people lose weight, but to help you start a garden because there is nothing more rewarding than eating my own kale, which I haven't had to buy kale now in two years, and knowing that it's on the dirty dozen list, but my kale has not one pesticide on it, right? So if you can start a garden, that's gonna be the most important thing. Now, what are ways to reduce pesticide exposure from foods? Because here's the reality, I just said, there's gonna be pesticides on all our food, whether it's organic or not, right? So the, the next few things I'm gonna tell you about are sort of safe and powerful methods that can help you reduce at least the pesticide residue on your produce. Now, the first thing you can do is you can scrub them in cold water, right? Rinsing your fruit and vegetables in cold water while scrubbing them with sort of a soft brush, that can remove some pesticide residue. Baking soda water as well. A study did find that washing apples with a 1% baking soda and water mixture was more effective in removing pesticide residues than tap water alone. So that's a pretty easy fix as well. If you're someone who can't afford organic or even if it is organic and you wanna make sure that you get off as much pesticide as possible, then you could do this 1% baking soda and water mixture. That would be a great way to do it. Now they also say you can peel the fruits and vegetables because removing the skin of the dirty dozen fruits and vegetables can significantly reduce the dietary intake of the pesticide residues. And then there's something called blanching. In one study, blanching produce, which is exposing it to boiling and then putting it right in cold water, that led to a more than 50% reduction in pesticide residue levels in all vegetables and fruit samples, except for peaches, which is an interesting one. You can also boil. So a study found that boiling strawberries significantly decreased pesticide residues with a reduction of 42.8 to 92.9%. And then they also say you can rinse produce with ozonated water. Ozonated water is a water mixed with a type of oxygen called ozone, and it has been found to par be particularly effective in removing pesticide residues. I don't know about you, I don't know where you buy that, and I just kind of don't see it happening, for me at least. <laughs> but scrubbing produce under cold water, washing 
with a baking soda solution or even just peeling them, those are all excellent ways to reduce the pesticide on the fruits and the vegetables. Ha, huh, something to know. Now, what about this? The EWG not only has the dirty dozen list, which you wanna be cautious of because of pesticides, but they also have the clean 15 list. Woohoo! That's always a good one too. And so maybe you can focus on this clean 15. These are 15 items that had the lowest amounts of pesticide residues, according to the EWG's analysis. So the first one on the clean 15 is avocados. Now, why do you think that is? Well, if you think about it, the avocado has that nice, hard outer layer, right? I don't know, I don't really call it a shell, but it has that outer layer and you're not eating that part. So when in doubt, any kind of fruit or vegetable that has some kind of hard outer layer, uh, like skin, I guess we call it skin, <laughs> a hard type skin, is going to benefit you because that's probably going to block some of the pesticides from getting in. So avocado is the number one on the clean 15. Sweet corn is number two. Pineapple, number three. Again, actually think about sweet corn. It's, you know, you might just be thinking of the kernels, but the corn is actually covered with a husk. So that probably protects it from the pesticides. Pineapple, I don't think there could be a tougher outer layer than the pineapple. It's even nice and pokey, right? So the pineapple is number three. Onions, number four. Papaya, number five. Number six are frozen sweet peas, which I think it's really interesting because they list it as frozen sweet peas not regular sweet peas. And so I'm wondering if something happens when they're frozen because nothing else is listed that way. Number seven, they say eggplant. Number eight, asparagus. Number nine, broccoli. Number 10, cabbage. 11, kiwi. 12, cauliflower. 13, mushrooms. 14, honeydew melon. And 15, cantaloupes. All right, so those are the clean 15. They say that avocados and sweet corn were the cleanest. Fewer than 2% of samples showed any detectable pesticides. The first seven clean 15 crops tested positive for three or less pesticides on a single sample. Almost 70% of the clean 15 fruit and vegetable samples had no pesticide residues and multiple pesticide residues are extremely rare on the clean 15 vegetables. Only 8% of clean 15 fruit and vegetable samples had two or more pesticides. So if you had to pick between the clean 15 and the dirty dozen and you could not afford organic, go for the clean 15, all right? That's one way you can do it. There were plenty of fruits and vegetables to choose from on the clean 15. So that's one thing that you can do. Another thing you can do, when I hear people tell me that they cannot afford organic, I 
feel that you have two choices. <laughs> you can start your own garden, which I will say, you know, there's a real joke in the garden world that like, you know, we, we all grow this tomato and that it, we, we're so proud of it. And, you know, oh, we grew it ourselves and I didn't go to the market to buy it, but it probably costs like $80 to make that tomato. <laughs> because if you take into account how much stuff we had to buy to get the garden going. But three years into my garden, I will say this. Now I think financially it's paying off. There's definitely a setup fee, you know? There's creating the garden beds or wherever you're gonna do it and buying the soil and buying the seeds or the transplants and things like that. There's definitely a cost. But if you continue to garden, then I'm starting to see the reward financially now. Like I don't buy any tomatoes at all from spring through fall. That's a large part of the year. I don't have to buy any tomatoes. I haven't bought kale in, like I said, over probably two to three years at this point. Once my kale is growing, it continues to grow or I reseed and, um, and keep it going. There's so many fruits and vegetables that you can grow even in a container. And then you can afford organic, right? So that's a great option for you. And then the number two way that I tell people to afford organic is give up Starbucks. <laughs> I know, and what you're thinking right now, I'm never giving up my Starbucks. I'm not telling you to give up coffee, but paying four to five dollars every time you go through that Starbucks line is to me outrageous. And so if you saved your Starbucks money, you could have probably afford organic. So just something to think about. And you know, it all comes down to what's important to you. Like eating organic food with no to very little pesticide is incredibly important to me because I just know in my heart that eating pesticides is not good for my body. And a lot of the research that has been done, just so you know, in terms of nutritional change, like they don't, they haven't really found that organic is more nutrition, more nutritious than a non-organic fruit or vegetable. It's not that the nutrition is higher. It's that it doesn't have the pesticide residue. And even though they consider the guidelines to be so strict and stringent on how much pesticide is on it, what they're saying in a lot of these articles that I've read is, we just don't know the long-term effect of eating pesticide after pesticide after pesticide. So maybe this one fruit that I'm eating, yes, it has pesticides, but it's, it's, it's under the level of concern. But if I eat 12 of those a day, or if I eat a ton of fruits and vegetables, which I do, and I hope you all do, what is that doing to our body over time? I don't think they know, right? Because... Those studies are still yet to be done to really understand the long-term effect of pesticide increasing, increasing, increasing. And again, there was definitely concern for children, right? So what is the bottom line? Well, the goal of the Dirty Dozen list is to let consumers know which fruits and vegetables have the highest amount of pesticide residues. And while this list can be helpful for those who are worried about pesticide use in food, it's not yet clear how concerned you should be over ingesting pesticide residues in the first place. So like I said, they're saying that these levels are still so low and we really haven't seen anything wrong or health hazards, this and that. 
But for those who wish to err on the side of caution, it's best to purchase organic versions of the Dirty Dozen when you can, all right? When you can. And while the impact of pesticides on health is not fully understood, the importance of consuming fruits and vegetables for health, whether it is conventional or organic, that much is firmly established, everyone. We know that we need fruits and vegetables, and by no means do I want you to stop eating fruits and vegetables, even if they are not organic, because you still will probably gain more benefits from continuing to eat healthy fruits and vegetables than to just stop altogether because now you're concerned about the pesticides. And I know that's really hard to like, you know, like put in your head. It's like, okay, she's telling me there's pesticides and they're not good for me, but she's also telling me to eat this anyway. What I would really love is for you to find ways to get the organic, right? So like I said, if, if you can stick to the clean 15, if you can start saving extra money from your Starbucks fund into your organic fund, if you can, hey, try container gardening. Maybe you grow a few things coming up for the spring ahead. Um, I'm happy to help anybody out there who wants to start a garden. You just email me. Um, but honestly, there are ways to get to the more organic types uh, as best you can. But definitely don't stop eating fruits and vegetables. Like our... Our body needs fruit and vegetables. It's so, so, so important, all right? So definitely don't give that up, but I hope that you were able to learn today a little bit more about pesticides in our foods, a little bit more an understanding that even organic fruits and vegetables, they have pesticides too. They're just a different kind of pesticide. They're, all, they're better for you than the conventional pesticides, and there are fewer of them, but they still have their negative impacts as well. And really what you want to do most is just eat everything in moderation. And I always say that because if you eat everything in moderation, then it really won't matter, right? So I wouldn't have strawberries every single day because that's not moderation, right? Try to rotate through all the different fruits. Rotate through all the different vegetables in your week because as long as you're not overdosing on one thing, then likely you'll never have a buildup or a bad problem from that one thing. And I had an instructor or a professor, I should say, in graduate school, and he always used to say, everything in moderation, including moderation. All right, everybody, I hope that you enjoyed the episode today. You learned a little bit. If you want more information about the Dirty Dozen or the Clean 15, go to the EWG. It is a great website to always look up any information about toxins and um, all kinds of pesticides and things like the Dirty Dozen. All right, have a great week ahead. And don't forget, sign up for the newsletter, earnthatbody.com forward slash newsletter. Why miss out on free information? I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear your mask. And by now, I hope you've had your vaccine. Bye, everyone. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.